0: Very excited as we are kind of coming down the home stretch of Luke. So we're going to be in Luke this morning. We have exactly this much to go in Luke. So it is coming down to that last leg. And Pastor Rick did a great job last week. I mean, we come to the death and resurrection of Christ. I mean, Jesus rising from the dead, defeating the grave. We talk about that last week right? There has been no greater moment. There's never been a more significant moment than what we just got into last week. Jesus defeating the grave. There's never been a greater victory than that. So then the next thing we see, Jesus kind of come back on the scene. Jesus appears back into the story, coming off the greatest victory, the greatest comeback of all time, Jesus wasn't down by 50. Jesus was down by death, pulled out the W. I mean, is there a greater victory? And where does he go? What does Jesus do? I think of, you know, in our culture, you know, we're joking about football this morning. You know, one of the greatest, you know, victories in our sports society. You know, they always ask the, the Super, Super Bowl winning quarterback, like, Patrick Mahomes, you just won the Super Bowl. Where are you going? And everybody knows the, issue, the answer. I'm going to Disney World. Like they celebrate, they throw parades for this greatest of victories. That's what I'd be doing. If I was Jesus and I just defeated death, I'd be throwing a parade for myself. I'd be in Disney World. I would have the greatest I told you so parade of all time. I'd be going back to Pontius Pilate's house like, what a ta, I just defeated death. You know, I mean, what does Jesus do? I'll give you a hint, he doesn't go to Disney World, because that doesn't exist yet, and two, that's clearly not his style, so that's what we're going to pick up, Jesus coming off the greatest triumph of all time, and how does he appear back on the scene, so we're going to be in Luke 24, we're going to pick it up in verse 13, you can read in your own Bibles, if not, you can follow along and I'll read it, it's kind of a longer scene, but I want you to kind of see the whole picture together, so follow along as I read, Luke 24, verse 13. And the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while, we talked, while he talked to us on the road? While he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So Jesus doesn't throw a parade. Jesus experiencing the greatest triumph this world has ever known. This is the very first Easter Sunday. What does Jesus do? He spends the afternoon taking a walk with two people that don't recognize him. That's how he spends the first Easter Sunday. I mean, I love this picture. I love this scene. It's fun to dive into it. You know, there were two disciples walking. We know one of, the name is, one of those is named Cleopas. And I didn't know this until studying this week. A lot of scholars think that's actually Cleopas and his wife. And so we don't know that and say that, but there's some, you know, hints in the text. One of them being, you know, it described their art, you know, their conversation. They were bickering. So it's probably husband and wife, you know. So they're walking back, you know, like Cleopas, like, what you thinking about, boo-boo? And he's like, nothing. And she's like, are you kidding me? How are you thinking about nothing? He's like, I don't know. I'm a guy. Sometimes I'm literally thinking about nothing. It's amazing. And they're talking, right? And, oh, man, I can't. Win. And, of course, they're talking about Christ and, like, Where did we go wrong? Like, what did we miss? Like, how did we get to this place? And then Jesus just kind of walks alongside him. I mean, I hope you caught the humor of this, right? So Jesus just rolls up like, hey, what are you guys talking about? Oh, we're talking about Jesus. And Jesus' response is like, wow, Jesus, that guy sounds neato. Tell me about him. (laughs) And so they, oh, and then they're shocked, right? Like, Jesus, you don't know Jesus, like, bro, have you not checked Twitter or the gram? Like, this is blowing up. Everybody knows about it. Hashtag the empty tomb question mark. Like, confused emoji. Like, are you kidding me? You haven't heard about this? And so Jesus just plays along. So they tell Jesus about Jesus, and he's like, no way. And then they're just walking along this village. You know, and then they're going to get there, and Jesus pretends. It says he kind of pretended he was going to go further. They bring him in, and then finally they realize that this has been Jesus walking with them the whole time. I love this scene. I love this scene, because what did it say about these two disciples? Maybe husband and wife, we don't know that for sure. It says, here they are, you know, and notice the direction. They're walking away from Jerusalem. They were in Jerusalem during all this, heading to Emmaus, Sad and discouraged. So here they are on the road to Emmaus. What is the road to Emmaus? Maybe you're on it. Sad and discouraged. They feel like God had let them down and abandoned them, and they feel like God had disappeared in their life. They can't see Jesus in their life. What do I love about this story? Jesus is walking right next to them the whole time. Like, I want to reach into this story to Cleopas and this other disciple and shake them. I mean, they're discouraged. They feel like God had abandoned them. I want to shake them and saying, he's right there. He is steps, he is feet from you. And they didn't know it. Man, is that not my prayer for us? that we would shake ourselves and it feels like you can't see God and I want to maybe just plant this seed for you, although it seems like God has disappeared from your life. Are you open to the fact that maybe God is closer than you think? Maybe God is right there walking with you. You just can't see him and the problem isn't that God disappeared. The problem with them, what? Is they couldn't see him. They couldn't see him, and maybe that is your situation as well. Here they are, just down, sad, and they feel like God is in them, and he is a couple feet from them, maybe six feet if they're practicing social distancing. I don't know for sure. But either way, the point is, he's right there. Are you open to that fact in your life that God might be, even though you can't see him, Closer than you think. So I just want to talk about this morning. Man, who doesn't want to see God moving in their life? I don't know anybody that would answer no to that. Do you want to watch God moving in your life? You know, that's been our theme. This changes everything. No matter what you go through, it changes everything when you see God moving in your life. Do you want to see God? Here's where I want to go. I want to look at what are the things that keep us from seeing God moving in our life and then I want to maybe learn a couple of things from these disciples that how can we do that how can we help ourselves to see Jesus to see God moving in our life all right first let's tackle the first question what keeps us from seeing Jesus seeing God move in our life there's two things I want to look at first is why do we miss Jesus We are blinded by disappointment. That is clearly the state of where they're at. And they stood still looking sad. Why? When Jesus asked them to unpack it, we thought he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. So here they are walking with Jesus, but they're so blinded by their disappointment. Maybe you felt that in your life. You ever struggle with doubt? I'll guarantee. I mean, how many stories have you heard that where someone doubted God? I bet you back that up a little bit in their story. There's a great disappointment in there. It doesn't have to be this way, but oftentimes in the midst of great disappointment, God just disappears. How many times have you heard that story? Somebody lost somebody, lost someone they love, and it seems like God just disappeared and abandoned them in their life. We get blinded by our disappointment. I remember saying this to God right when I started in ministry, going through one of my greatest disappointments. I'm now working at a church, supposed to tell people about Jesus, and I've never doubted him more. Do you doubt God? Oftentimes, kind of one of the key ingredients to doubt is disappointment. Disappointment is the great kind of fog that rolls into our life. I mean, everybody on some level has experienced great disappointment. And what happens? It's just like that fog rolls in, right? You just feel like you can't see because you're blinded by your disappointment, let alone see God. And I want to learn from this story, but just because you can't see him doesn't mean the problem is that God is absent. Maybe the problem is our ability to see him, and we get blinded by disappointment. We love to quote C.S. Lewis. I don't know how many churches that don't. He's one of the greatest thinkers of our time, right? I mean, just profound thinker. Do you know what happened to C.S. Lewis when his wife died? Let me show you another quote from C.S. Lewis talking about how he experienced God after his wife died. A door slammed in your face and the sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. Nobody can explain the truths of God better and more clearly than C.S. Lewis. And he goes through a great tragedy and disappointment. And all of those, kind of his big brain, he struggled. And he gets blinded by his disappointment. It feels like God just slammed a door in his face. You ever been in that place? where you're looking and desperately trying to see God, and you feel like you got a door slammed in your face, and you can't see him. That's where they're at. They're blinded by their disappointment. What is disappointment? Anybody, how do we get disappointed? It is an unmet expectation. You have an expectation that doesn't get met, hence disappointment. It's hard to overstate when they said, why were they disappointed? We thought he would be the one to redeem Israel. They thought Jesus, their expectation was that he was going to bring a political revolution. All of a sudden, Jesus dies. And here he is conquering the grave. And yet they're disappointed. And I got to stop there for a second. Because why were they disappointed? Their hope for God was that he was gonna change government. Their hope was that they were gonna usher in a different political power. Thank goodness we don't have that. I won't go there too long, but I gotta stop for a second, right? Okay. If you are wildly hopeful or paralyzed in fear about November, you might be missing Jesus because your hope and you have this expectation that God is going to be being a political revolution just like they did, and they missed Jesus because their hope was in government and politics, and they missed God walking right with them. So maybe we should check that a little bit that was their expectation it's hard to understate how much their expectation is that the Messiah was gonna overthrow the Roman government so what is your great disappointment what is the expectation you had upon God that he let you down you know I had this wonderful formula if I was this faithful God was gonna protect my family and I was gonna have this level of wealth and prosperity is that in the Bible I had this expectation of God and it blew up in my face. What did Jesus do? He took them back through the scriptures. They're thinking, there's no way I should have this kind of suffering. There's no way I feel like we lost. What does He take them through? He said, wasn't it necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? He shows them in the scriptures that suffering was always a part of God's plan. If you feel like you should never suffer and God's going to give you prosperity, is that a biblical expectation? Now, God doesn't meet our expectations, and then we begin to doubt God. And here's the silly part. God doesn't meet our expectations. So what do we do? Instead of adjusting our expectations, we adjust God. Which one is wrong in the two? God or your expectations. And so we try to change God as opposed to adjusting our expectations. Now, when God stops being faithful to his promises, we have a problem. But when God isn't faithful to your expectations, maybe we adjust our expectations. But we don't. And we have these expectations that God's going to do this or this. He doesn't meet them. And we're disappointed. And then we get blinded by that disappointment. And we miss the fact that God is right there moving in our lives. But we get blinded by disappointment. Secondly, what causes us to miss Jesus? We believe a wrong diagnosis. The diagnosis of what our problem is, we misunderstand that. We get a wrong diagnosis, and I think that causes us to miss Jesus. So as you come in today, if I were to ask you, man, what are the problems in your life? What would you say? Oh, my job, or maybe my health. And you'd probably run through a list. And that's kind of where these guys were at. What did they think the problem was? Their diagnosis is the problem was up here and out there. They misunderstood the real problem in their lives that Jesus had to bring them up to. One, and I think, you know, we can get trapped in this. You think you don't see Jesus because of an intellectual hangup. yeah? particularly maybe you're an atheist. Maybe you don't believe in God and you feel like you don't have enough arguments or enough evidence. And we see clearly from this story. If you're not seeing Jesus, it's not just intellectual. Those are wonderful things to look into. Academic, scholarly things to look at the evidence. But the problem in your life isn't lack, isn't just lack of evidence. It's a lack of openness to believe. Look at their lives. They were sad There was an empty tomb. They had eyewitness testimony to an empty tomb. They had all of Jesus' prophecies. I love in all of this. Now remember, Jesus predicted this. Like I love, nobody goes like, hey guys, didn't he say this would happen? Like maybe he really rose from the dead. He walked on water. He pulled coins out of fish's mouth. Maybe. Never happens. They have Jesus predicting this. They have eyewitness testimony. They have enough evidence to believe. And then what did Jesus say to them? And here's why I know that if you think you just don't have enough evidence to believe Jesus, where you're wrong, what did Jesus point them to? Oh, foolish ones, slow of mind? No. What did he say? They were slow of heart to believe. If you're just stuck behind, you think you need more evidence to believe, you're fooling yourself. You have a wrong diagnosis. The problem isn't just up here. It's here. And they thought, the problem is out there. Right? He was the one that was going to redeem Israel. He was going to fix my circumstances. If your answer to that question of what do you need, what is the problem in your life, if you went through the circumstances that need to change in your life, you've missed it. And there's a good chance that you're going to miss Jesus. Because you have a wrong diagnosis that you think God just needs to fix this. When the real problem for all of us is in here. Jesus didn't come to just save the city. He came to save their souls. And they didn't get that. They thought God fixed this. And he said, no, I need to fix you. And until you can get to that place that your problems in life aren't out there, they're in here, you're going to miss them. Just like they did, fix this. What was their real problem? It wasn't Rome. It wasn't a virus. It wasn't their jobs. It wasn't money. It wasn't a health issue. That's not their real problem, and it's not yours. It's not mine. What was their problem? They were spiritually blind. They couldn't see Jesus. The real problem that we have is spiritual blindness and a lack of ability to see God, to see truth in our life. Right? right. How did the story switch? It starts with, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. When did it turn? Their eyes were opened. Their eyes were opened? So their eyes were closed this whole time? So, seven miles, like they couldn't see? Is that what he's saying? Of course not. They could see just fine, but they were spiritually blind. Is there a chance that you and your life, although physically alive, are spiritually blind? And your real problem in your life, isn't God to fix these things and make these circumstances be easier? The thing that you need that's going to turn the story for you is God giving you the gift of spiritual sight so you can see him moving. Here they are looking at Jesus but not really seeing him. Are you on that road? If you're sad and discouraged and you feel like God has left you, and yes, maybe, you know, you're, you're looking to Jesus, but you're not really seeing him. What you need is God to heal you an ability to see God in your life. And that changes everything. It's a seven-mile walk. When they see Jesus, what did it say they do? They just run back to Jerusalem. I mean, you can imagine being on that road. I mean, they must have just floated back, just like ran, skipping the whole time, because I saw Jesus in my life. Were things still hard with Rome? Of course, but none of that matters. If you see God moving in your life, it changes everything. What road do you want to be on? Do you want to be on that sad road to Emmaus, heading towards a factory of sadness? Or you want to see God moving and have a life full of wonder and joy? So how do we do that? How do we see Jesus in our life? And there's some things we can learn from them. One, I want to say this. We always look to kind of the clouds, right? If God would just write a message in the clouds. You know one of the ways they missed him? It's not seeing God in the ordinary. We want God to do these crazy, miraculous things. And they miss the fact that God was just walking through life with them, through an ordinary person in their life. You know one of the things I love about this story? You know how they see Jesus? It is exactly how you and I can experience him. So many of the things that happens with the apostles, I'm like, man, I'd love to have that, but I'll never have it. You can have everything that they experienced. And if you're going, wait a minute, they walked with Jesus. Now remember, they were blinded by the fact that it was Jesus the whole time. You can experience God just the way that they did. It wasn't, The only miracle is when they vanish, when he vanishes, and that was the end of it. They already had their eyes opened. Like, there's a side of me that wants to, like, Jesus, I'm just showing him my scars, like, bam, bam. Like, come on, believe in me, son. Like, where are you at? That doesn't happen. What happened? Here's how they begin to see him. What did he do? He took him to the scriptures. He read the word of God. And what did they say after they see Jesus? Didn't our hearts burn within us? you can have that. We can hear. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. You can hear the word of God and be moved by it just like them. The reason I throw in that correctly, also in here, I don't know if you caught it. Jesus gives us the key to understanding how to read scripture. Did you catch that? He didn't just go back and read scripture to them. What did he do? beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. We're talking about the Old Testament this time. What's the Old Testament about? Jesus. Leviticus and all that sacrificial system, what's that really about? Jesus. As you go and you hear your Bible, what is it about? Jesus. Now, You read the word, you listen to the word that way and you will have your hearts burn and moved just like them. And so many of you miss it. And that's what I say correctly because you were taught to read this and find the rules. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't have sex. And, what's, and this is a book of rules. This isn't a book about the rules to follow. There are rules in there. This is a book about Jesus and how he came to rescue you and how he wants you to, how he wants you to see him in your life. You get the word of God that way and saying, Jesus, show me who you are. Jesus is on every page of this. You read God's word that way. And your hearts will be stirred just like them. If you've ever been in that place, we've heard this over and over. Man, I feel like, you know, the preacher was just talking straight to me. That's what they felt. They experienced the word of God and then what did they do? Second, they invited him into their life. You invite him into your life. I love that scene. Jesus, it even says, he pretended like he was gonna go further, like, okay, well, see you later. Have a good one, bye. Like what? And they pleaded with him, "Please stay with us." Why didn't Jesus know they were going to ask him? Of course. Why go through the charade of "Well, see ya"? God wants you to call out to Him. God is waiting for you to invite Him into your life. It says that they pleaded with Him. They begged him, but they urged him strongly, stay with us. If you've ever been moved in your spirit where you heard God's word and heard this and understood that God might be moving in your life, invite him. The breaking of bread in the meal, what is that? That's fellowship. That's a picture of fellowship. Invite God into your life. Hear the word, invite him in. And then what happens? They run back. And join the group of believers. They sprint back to Jerusalem and then they surround themselves with other believers. And when they get there, lastly, what do they do? They testify to their faith. I love when they get back there. They run back there, and all the disciples are like, Jesus really rose from the dead. And they're like, Yeah, we know. Right? And they, they just tell, and they go and spend the rest of their lives telling people that Jesus really did raise from the dead, and they've seen him, and they're watching him move. Look at that list. Is there anything on there you can't do? And in some ways, it almost feels too easy, it almost feels too normal and ordinary, and that's one of the ways we miss Jesus. Jesus just met them in the ordinary in Scripture, and they wanted, I don't know what they wanted, but they missed it because they missed God in the ordinary of his word. So part of that, you know, Pastor Rick started off with that discipleship always. If you get our newsletter, you're going to get an email Monday that's going to tell you how to do all those things. All you have to do is sign up. If you're not on our list, just go under our connect page and sign up for that e-newsletter. You'll get a list, uh, an email tomorrow, helping you get plugged into all these things. Men's study, community group. (laughs) If you look at these guys, I mean, it's crazy how little they do. Like, I mean, it starts off with Jesus insulting me. Like, oh, foolish ones. It's probably another miracle that they invite him into dinner. Like, you guys are idiots. Please stay with us. But these guys start off silly. What did they do? They did one thing. They just invited Jesus into their life. They invited Jesus to have a meal with them. That is it. We're saved by grace through faith. There's nothing that you can do. You can't change yourself. What can you do? You can just say, God, I want that. I want to see you move. Will you come into my life? Because in some ways, here's some things that you can do. You can join a group of leaders, testify to your faith. We're going to have a baptism coming up. In October, we're going to have a meeting, our last Sunday of 2020. We're going to have a baptism service. What a way to just kiss 2020 goodbye. We're going to have a baptism service. If you haven't done that, get baptized. Testify to your faith. You can do every one of these things. You know what you can't do? And it's fascinating when it talked about their eyesight. You can't heal yourself from blindness. That's something that God did. If you're blind, you can't make yourself see. All they did was invite Jesus. They heard the word, it burned in their hearts. They invited Jesus in. And then God. Open their eyes to see. I just watched some of those videos. You know, they have those glasses now that can make people see color. I mean, It's so awesome to watch those videos. I mean, every time they just break down sobbing, like they can finally see for the first time. I've heard people talk about coming to faith is like that. It's like living a life of black and white and all of a sudden the lights go on and you can see color. I want that for you. Are you just walking that sad road to Emmaus? Yeah, maybe you've kind of heard from, you know, listening to Jesus, but you haven't really heard from him. You haven't really invited him to your life. If you just walked through a valley so far and so long that there's been too much hell in your life that you can't picture heaven, if you're on that road blinded by disappointment, I want you to know that maybe it's not that you can't see God because he's too distant. The problem isn't that God is too distant. Your problem is your ability to see. And I want you to know that God is closer than you think. Invite him in and let's pray that he opens our eyes to see him moving in our lives and walking with us every step of the way. If he opens your eyes to see him, it'll change everything. Will you pray with me? Father, all of us have been in that place at one time or another where it feels like that door just slammed in our face and you just disappear. God, for the people right now that are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, the fog of disappointment has overtaken them. God, would your spirit whisper to them right now? God, that you would tell us I'm right here. I'm not As far as you think I am, I'm right here. I've been walking with you every step of the way. You just can't see it. God, would you cure us of our spiritual blindness that we would turn to your word. We'd let go of our expectations and just turn to you, invite you into our lives and you do the heavy lifting. Would you heal us and give us eyes to see in Jesus' name? amen